0: Good morning church, go ahead and stand. We got a story to tell. Are you excited about that? I know that I am, that's right. This is an older one, but it's kind of fun to sing. I like it a lot, okay?
1: Here we go.
0: All glory and honor because of the blessings that you give to us but even more so father you are the ultimate blesser the one who gives us what we need we thank you for Jesus Christ and his perfect example teach teaches what it looks like to love to be a light in a very 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 dark world thank you for hope it's in Jesus holy name that we pray amen why don't you guys have a seat
2: Father, it's an honor to be invited into this place. It's grace that lays under that invitation. And we're so grateful. We're grateful that you're here. So now we pray, Lord, that the words of our mouths and the thoughts of our hearts will please you. In the name of Jesus we pray, amen. Okay. Now, guys, don't raise your hands. Now, it'd be fun to see you raise your hands so we could pity you or mock you. But that'd be mean, and God might smite us or something. So don't raise your hands. But without raising your hands, although if you want to point at somebody else, go ahead and do that. That might be fun. How many of you guys maybe think deep down inside, God is lucky to have me? I mean, some of you guys, you were lucky to get in. (laughs) But God did good with me. Now, maybe you wouldn't word it quite so stupidly. Any of you admit that there might be a little bit of that in you? Or maybe you're the opposite. Again, don't raise your hands. Don't even point this time. How many of you guys might be thinking deep down inside, I may be sitting here in church, but I'm pretty sure I can never make it to heaven. And if you guys knew the kind of person I really was deep inside under my masks, you probably wouldn't want me here at all. You see, you're kind of like, I really don't like who I am. And if you knew where I've been and what I've done and who I am now, you wouldn't like me either. And I'm pretty sure that God knows all that perfectly, so I can't imagine he could ever accept me. You ever felt like that? Either one of those two? Ever felt either of those? Well, if you have, you need to lean in. In fact, we're going to start unpacking some of the most famous verses in the Bible, and deservedly so. Some of the verses that I think have been terribly misunderstood. And if you actually listen to what Jesus was saying, you'll realize that this is really, really important stuff. I think every single one of us needs to lean in. So if you've got a Bible or a Bible app and you want to follow along, open to Matthew chapter 5. The verses are going to be on screen as well. These are the opening verses to what is called the Sermon on the Mount. Ever heard of it? Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5 to 7. These are the opening verses, how it starts. Matthew chapter 5, verse 1. One day, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on the mountainside and sat down. And his disciples came to him and he began to teach him. Now this is really, really early in the ministry of Jesus, but he's already done some teaching, which was blowing their minds. He had already worked some miracles, which was really, really blowing their minds. So he was already drawing crowds, even early on. So he goes up onto this mountain, I don't know. Maybe the visibility would be better. Maybe the acoustics would be better. Or maybe, maybe... You see, 12 or 13,000 years before, or I'm sorry, 12 or 1,300 years before Jesus, there was a guy named Moses. And Moses went up on this mountain, Mount Sinai, to meet with God. And if you remember, Moses came down with these Ten Commandments. On that mountain, God gave the law to Moses. That was the Old Testament law, the old covenant with God. Jesus is going to start laying out a new covenant with God, our covenant with God. So he climbs up on this mountain, and maybe this mountain is symbolic. Maybe it's significant. So he goes up on this mountain, and he sits down, because that's how teachers taught back then. They didn't stand at a podium or walk back and forth on stage. They sat down, and their disciples gathered around them. By the way, I'm not playing Jesus. I'm just more of a teacher than a preacher, so I just got to sit here and talk, right? So here's what Jesus says, he says, blessed, blessed, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And I know if you read different translations, some of them are going to translate it happy. Happy are the poor in spirit, which would be weird, right? Happy are those who are miserable. And if you keep on reading and you put happy in the place, you're going to read stuff like this. Happy are those who are mourning. Happier are those who are beaten down. Happier are those who are persecuted. I don't think so. I don't think Jesus is talking about that kind of happy. In Greek, the word is makarios. It's not about being happy, carefree, giddy, or jocular. That's a cool word, isn't it? Jocular. Use it this week. It's more about being blessed by God. It's about someone who's in a good spot with God, someone who's approved by God. Jesus is going to talk about the kind of person who's approved by God, the kind of person who is blessed by God, which means he's going to talk about the person I want to be. And I guarantee you he's going to talk about the kind of person you want to be, so you need to lean in. And he starts out with this, blessed approved by God are the poor in spirit, which sounds kind of weird on the surface. And I know some of you guys, you kind of push back as you're thinking, that's not me, God's pretty lucky to have me. That's not poor in spirit. Some of you guys probably think down inside just a little bit, I've been blessed by God, you know why? Because I'm gifted smarter than average, better than average, stronger than average, better looking than average, more connected than average. And if that's in you, that's not poor in spirit. Others of you, kind of the opposite, you're like, I'm not gifted, I'm not smart, I'm not that good, I'm not that strong or connected or good looking. How could I ever be blessed by God? kind of person Jesus is talking about, just a person who poor-mouths themselves all the time. I think both sets miss it. Listen, lean in a little. It's not about you. It's not about your being good enough. It's about God. You are not going to be accepted by God because you're so good. And you are not going to be rejected by God because you beat yourself down because it is not about you. Blessed are the poor in spirit. I think he's talking about blessed are those who are just simply honest with themselves, ruthlessly honest, and that's hard to do, isn't it? Admit it, you are a mess and you can't fix you, right? New Living Translation comes pretty close in this particular case. It says God blesses those who are poor. I'm not talking about those who are financially poor, but those who are spiritually poor. The people who realize their need for him. Guys, you're never going to be in a good spot with God until you can look in a mirror and honestly admit it. I'm a mess spiritually and I can't fix me. You been there? I'm not the man I would want to be. I'm certainly not the man God would want me to be on my own. And I will never be on my own the man that God wants me to be. You're just honest. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Is that you? Do you actually think you're going to earn your way into heaven? Do you think your life with God is grounded on anything other than His grace? Listen, guys, this is about being honest with ourselves, and this is hard to do. One guy translated it like this. He said, blessed is the man or woman who realizes they are bankrupt at soul level. I think it's getting close. Bottom line, guys, if, if you're pretty sure that God is lucky to have you, you've got a problem. And if you are convinced that God would never have you, you've got a problem, too. You see, being poor in spirit does not disqualify you. In fact, it is necessary to be blessed by God. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven, Jesus says, right? You see, if you think that you're a pretty good catch, your view of yourself is delusional. And if you think you are beyond grace, then your view of God is delusional. Grace, receiving God's grace requires honesty, ruthless honesty, which is that we're unworthy, every single one of us. Do you buy that? Now, that's pretty much the opposite of how a lot of people in our culture approach it. Our culture's messed up, guys. You go to a bookstore, they still have them, I think, bookstores, right? Go to the self-help section and you're going to see books that say things like believe in yourself. You have what it takes. You can fix you. Accept yourself. Love yourself. Actualize your potential. You deserve. You deserve. You deserve. Right? And Jesus says, come on, guys. A little honesty. You're a mess and you can't fix you. You're going to need some help. The kind of help that only God can give. So blessed by God are the poor in spirit. Listen, guys, when you can admit your unworthiness, you're getting closer to the place where you can accept grace. You're not there yet, but you're getting there. But you're also going to need what Jesus says next. Second beatitude. First one, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And then blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who mourn, for they'll be comforted. You see, I don't think Jesus is talking about a second kind of person. It's not like Jesus blesses the poor in spirit one way, and then he blesses those who mourn in a second way, and he goes on in the next one to say, blessed are the meek, the wussy, the weak in a third way, and God blesses those who are starved for righteousness in another way. I think he's talking about the same person in a lot of different ways. These are all pieces of what it means to be a Jesus follower. I don't want just one or two or three of them. I want all of them. Because I want to be blessed by God. So he says, blessed are those who mourn. Which sounds weird, doesn't it? I don't think he means blessed are those who cry at funerals. Because they're going to laugh someday. Now, I'm an old guy, and I've been a pastor for quite a while now, and I've been to a whole lot of funerals. I have cried at funerals, and I've seen people cry at funerals, and sometimes for months and months afterwards. And I know doing life with God helps grieving a lot. We do cry, but ours are not hopeless tears like theirs. But that's not what Jesus is talking about. And he's not just saying, happy are those who cry. That would be weird, like some Zen Buddhist riddle. Jesus doesn't mean happier the morose. Happy are those who are depressed. Or you're blessed if you go around feeling sorry for yourself. Now I know some Jesus followers are kind of like that, right? A lot of Jesus followers don't laugh much. How sad is that? In fact, there's an old joke. I don't know if you've ever heard it, but something like this. That horse must be Christian. You know why? It's got such a long face. I didn't say it was a good joke. I just said it was an old joke. Blessed are those who mourn. Who mourn what? What is it we're supposed to be mourned to be blessed by God? You see, guys, I think he is talking about our sin. Mourning our sin. Because here's what happens, and it happens a lot. You can be poor in spirit. You can know that you're a sinner and still not care. There's some sins that you sin that don't bother you much anymore. Are there some sins that you've sinned for so long that you don't just care much about it anymore? Maybe you've crafted all of your excuses. He made me that way. She made me that way. Maybe you've crafted your rationalizations. Maybe sin for you, but I don't think it's maybe sin for me. I don't think what I'm doing is so bad. Who made you the judge of me? Who made you God? Who made God God? Old fool. Ever thought that way? Do you have any idea what a spot you're in spiritually when you refuse to call your sin, sin? Do you have any idea how depraved it is to, a, to get to a spot where you can rationalize your sin as okay, maybe even good? I think it's a cultural game out there. A whole lot of things that we used to recognize as sin that we refuse to call sin anymore, as if we have the right to change the rules. I know if there's no God, you're on your own, you can decide for yourself what's right and wrong. But if there really is a God... A big G God? Tim Keller. He's an amazing thinker, preacher, teacher up in New York. Been battling pancreatic cancer for a couple of years. He was in remission and then just recently it has come roaring back. Tim Keller's one of my heroes. Tim Keller says sometimes we get so used to evil. We get so used to sin, even our own, that we don't even blink anymore. We don't mourn it. We no longer see how ugly it is, how appalling it is, how destructive and life-draining it is. Sometimes, maybe, we recognize that it's kind of wrong, but it's someone else's fault. We love to blame someone else for our sins, our parents, our teachers, some group with privilege. We love to play the victim. We justify our sin like children. Jesus is talking about honesty, crystal clarity. I not only see my sin but I start to see it like God does. I not only see my sin but I actually hate it. I mourn it. I see my spiritual poverty and I let it break my heart. I care. Listen, guys, if you've gotten to the spot where the prodding of the Holy Spirit no longer bothers you when you sin, you are on a terrible spot with God. Keller goes on to say one more thing that's pretty insightful. He says, some people mourn their sin only when they get caught. You ever been there? We mourn our sin because we got busted. We feel remorse Because we're going to have to face the consequences of what we have done. There's a difference between feeling bad because we got caught and mourning our sin. There's a difference between those two. Jesus is talking about stepping out of our delusions and seeing sin for what it really is. It's about agreeing with God. Allowing our sin to disgust us. Allowing our sin to shame us because that's where healing starts blessed by God are the poor in spirit because they see themselves with a ruthless clarity spiritually bankrupt we're broken and we can't fix it and blessed by God are those who mourn their sin not only, they not only see their sin, they actually care they don't blame someone else for it they don't rationalize it, they don't try to rewrite the rules they look at their sin like God does and they care, they mourn it You know why they can be blessed? In another place, Jesus put it like this. He says, I want you to come to me, all of you who are weary and carrying heavy burdens, and I'll give you rest. That's being blessed by God, guys. He's the only one who can fix you. Now, we're getting closer. We're not quite there yet. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. And now, blessed... the meek. What a weird word. Blessed are the meek. How? I mean, how many of you guys aspire to be meek? When it comes to your funeral, you want people to stand up and say about you, he was meek. She was meek. Would that be a compliment? I mean, is that how you'd want to be known? What does it even mean? I looked up some synonyms for it, Googled them. Stuff like weak, gentle, wussy, shy, docile, passive, subdued, timid. Is Jesus saying, blessed are the sheep among you? I don't think so. Here's the deal. Blessed are the poor in spirit, which means blessed by God are those who realize their spiritual bankruptcy. Blessed... Are those who mourn, which means blessed by God, are those who actually mourn their sin. They hate it. You see it for what it is. You can't stop there, though. What happens if you see your sin and you hate your sin and you discover you can't fix it? You can't fix you because you can't. I can't fix you. You can't fix you. No one in this world can fix you. But if you're not fixed, the shame and the guilt will be crushing. And there are a whole lot of people who go through life carrying all this guilt and shame. They go through life oppressed. A whole lot of people go through life just feeling sorry for themselves. Some people go through life just angry. Because you can't fix you. No one in the world can. But God can. You know what Jesus is talking about when he says, blessed are the meek? I think he's talking about those who are humble enough to start leaning on God, giving it over to God. And he's more than willing to help. Blessed are those who take their eyes off of themselves and put their eyes on God. And maybe now we're getting to the essence of salvation. You see, some people recognize their are sinners. They're smart enough to admit it. And some people even hate their sin, which is smart. It means you're not delusional. But some people just go that far no further. I'm a mess. I hate this mess. I think it's hopeless. Ever been there, thought something like that? You ever thought, I can't forgive me? How could God? In fact, if you guys knew who I am underneath all my masks, you wouldn't forgive me either. How could God? And you're just weighed down by self-pity. And you think to yourself, God may forgive them, but he can't forgive me. And others of you are like, well, I know I sin and I know I hate it, but I'm just too proud to ask for God's charity. Too proud to ask for anyone's help, including God's. In fact, I'm angry at this God who made me the way I am and then calls me a sinner. whole lot of people think like that today. I reject this God who made me the way I am and then condemns me. Well, God says, blessed are the meek. Blessed are the humble. Blessed are those who take their eyes off of themselves and start trusting God. Blessed are those who stop trying to fix themselves and start trusting God. One guy that I was reading said the Greek word for meek could actually be used of a, a horse that has been bit bridled, a wild animal that has been tamed. Now that animal could be guided and directed by another. I was skeptical when I read that, so I checked it out, and he was kind of right. It can be used that way. And I think maybe there's a little of that sense here blessed are those who yield themselves to God blessed are those who give God the reins blessed are those who are surrendered to God I'm no longer the boss of me Jesus is not just my Savior he's my Lord and I guarantee you guys that if you can make it all the way to there you will be blessed by God now there's just one more piece for today now I know there are eight of these beatitudes and I'm only going to cover four because otherwise you're going to sit here a long time and get really mad, right? First four about getting right with God. The second four seem to be about doing life as a child of God. We only have time for four, so here's number four. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness because they will be satisfied. New Living Translation puts it a little differently, and it's one of the few times I think it actually misses it. In the NLT, Jesus says, God blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice, for they'll be satisfied. And that's how a lot of people today want to read it. It fits our culture. Justice, fairness, equity, fight for those who are oppressed, level the playing field, fight for justice, be a justice warrior, no justice, no peace. For Christians say that. Even though three Beatitudes down from here, it says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they'll be called the children of God. And I know, guys, that justice is a huge idea in the Bible, both Old Testament and New Testament, if you pursue justice God's way, which most people don't. But I don't think it's what Jesus is talking about here. It's an interesting word in the Greek. In the Greek, it's the word dikaiosune, and I can translate it legitimately as justice. And I can translate it legitimately as righteousness. It can mean either one, and they're slightly different to us. Righteousness, being right with God, which is not something that you do. It's something that God does to you if you let him. Blessed are those who recognize their spiritual bankruptcy. Blessed are those who care deeply about it, who mourn their sin. Blessed are those who are humble enough to trust God to fix them. And blessed are those who so deeply, so passionately want to live right with God. Righteousness, which is not something that you can do for you. It's something you have to trust God to do for you. And Jesus pretty much proves that God is trustworthy, right? I'll show you a couple of verses from the Apostle Paul that he wrote to some Jesus followers in Rome. And you've got to remember, there was a time when the Apostle Paul hated Jesus. He hated Jesus' followers. And he thought he could be righteous all on his own. He could be right with God through his own efforts, he thought. Until Jesus kind of rattled his head. Well, here's what he says. He says, everyone has sinned. Everyone has sinned, all of us. That's just being poor in spirit, right? We all fall short of God's glorious standards, and I hope that means that you mourn it, right? And yet God, in his grace, freely makes us right, righteous, in God's sight. God, in his grace, makes us righteous. How? Not something you do. He did it through Jesus Christ. You didn't do it. God did it for you when he freed you from the penalty of your sins. That's how. People are made right with God, righteous, when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his love, his his life, shedding his blood to demonstrate his righteousness because he's fair and just and to make us right with God when we believe in Jesus So blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness that only comes through Jesus. How badly do you want to be right with God? How badly do you need it? I mean, how badly you need it's an easy question. How badly do you want it? Do you actually hunger and thirst for it? Have you ever hungered to hear God say someday, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Listen, guys, a whole lot of people, probably a whole lot of you, you're looking for some happiness and you're looking for some peace, right? C.S. Lewis put it like this. He said, God cannot give happiness and peace apart from himself. You won't find happiness and peace Outside of life with God, because it's not there. There is no such thing. So you want some happiness, you want some peace. This is bigger. Blessed are the poor in spirit, because theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn their sin, because they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, the humble, for they'll inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness because they will be satisfied. So what's bigger, guys, to be happy for a moment or to be blessed by God forever? These verses are for us, aren't they? They're ours. Now, guys, if you're not a Jesus follower yet, you can get it started today. There's an elder praying for you in that room. The back of the room, it says prayer room. You can slip back there and he'll pray for you, pray with you. I'm going to go ahead and slip down, I think. I'm going to go right over there, okay? And if during this next song you want to come down and talk about making Jesus the king of your life, let's talk. If you want to make capital city your home, come on down. Let's talk about it. Let's get it done. Right now, let's sing and let's just worship our God.
3: When I rise in the morning, when I rise in the morning, when I rise, give me, give me, Jesus. Give me, Jesus, you can have all this world. Give me. to die.
0: Christ to be our ultimate example, a perfect love, perfect purpose, one who's given us everything that we need to be able to speak to you, to know you like we do. Teach us how to learn how to sacrifice as he did, to point to you as he did. We truly are blessed and happy because of what God and you have done through the work of Jesus Christ. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. For our next few moments, we want to make sure that we are focused in on what Jesus Christ has done for each of us. And so we're going to go to the tables in just a few moments. And remember that this sacrifice that he made for us is a perfect example of love. When we uh, go to the tables, you're going to have a chance to be able to take some bread and some juice, and this is a way to represent his body and his blood that were sacrificed for each of us. So if you want to know more about that, we'd love to talk to you. If you. have any questions about why we do anything that we do, there's always a purpose behind it too. this place is your home and you want to give an offering, at each of the stations there's going to be a black box, and it's marked offering, so you can give that as well. And we also have something that's a little bit different called a generous bucket here at cap city and uh, this is if anything goes beyond your typical offering that you want to give to people in need in this community in this church in the, in the outside of community in frankfurt as well we have a couple different projects that we do to help people so let's go to the table let's go and remember what jesus continues to do for us every day
3: Just give me
4: you be seated for just a moment. And I hope those words are true in your heart and in your mind, not just words that come out of our mouths, but that you can have everything, but just give me Jesus. There's nothing greater, is there, than to have Jesus. It's been great worshiping with you today. I hope that uh, today is the start to a great week for you. If I have not had the chance to meet you yet, my name is John. I'm one of the ministers here. We're, we're just thrilled that you took time to come and join us on this day of worship. And like I said, hopefully today's the start to a great week for you. Uh, we've got a couple of things I just want to make you aware of. Uh, some things are going to be coming up uh, here over the next few weeks as uh, we're getting ready, building towards Easter. And, uh, you know, we've been talking... all Throughout the years, as far as Easter goes here for us, we're going to ask you to come early. We're going to have services at 8 o'clock at nine thirty, and 11, and we'd love for you to come early. Uh, we're going to have kids stuff at those, all three of those services as well, so come early. Park far, especially if you're a member here at Capital City. If you could help us out by parking back in the back lot or across the, uh, across the street at the, one of the car lots, that'd be great. That just leaves up space close here to the building for our guests when they come that day. And not just come early, don't just park far, but bring somebody with you. That's a great opportunity to invite somebody to come to church with you on Easter Sunday. It's one of the one of the greatest days uh, that we get to celebrate our Lord and Savior, and a lot of folk are, are open and uh, willing to come. But you've got to do something. You've got to invite them. Okay. We've also got some things that are that are going to be taking place over the next few weeks. This morning, when you came in, uh, you might have seen out in the lobby our, our middle school, high school student ministry has got a fundraiser going on. If you want to stop by there, uh, unfortunately, they got the basketball goals up. It's March Madness, but there's no basketballs to shoot. But you just pull an envelope, make a donation, and whatever that envelope says, uh, they would they'll use that to help cover their costs to go to. Uh, there are summer camps this year for middle school and high school. So stop there in the lobby. That's going to be going on for the next few weeks. Also, as we do build towards Easter, we've got a couple of great things that are coming up with Easter. We've got our Easter extravaganza that's going to take place April the 1st. That's our Easter egg hunt that'll take place that Saturday morning, 9 30 to 11 30, 12 o'clock ballpark. It'll be out back. Uh, Lord willing, the weather's good. It'll be out back at the party shed. Uh, and so come on out for that. That's for, uh, birth through fifth grade, okay? And if you want to help with that, uh, be sure to reach out to Aaron Ashcraft or Jessica Brighter, they'll get you plugged in. And then we've got our uh, a Good Friday uh, service that's gonna take place on April the 7th, and then of course our worship services on April the 9th. And as we build towards though, it requires a lot of help. And so this morning as you go out, you might've already seen them out in the lobby, but there's a there's a couple of, of uh, rolling boards out here in the lobby. One of them says like preschool slash kids ministry. The other says greeters slash parking. And if you're willing just to help us out for that one weekend, we would love to ask if you've got a name tag, just pull that name tag off, stick it on the board, okay? Uh, If you don't have a name tag this morning, uh, there's a pin there as well, just grab it, write your name and phone number on there, we'll follow up with you. Now be sure you put it on the right board, okay? Because uh, if you want to be involved in greeting and parking, make sure that's the one you put it on. Don't put it on the preschool kids' ministry one, okay? Because there are some of you I don't want working with our preschool and kids' ministry. Uh, but we'll take you on the greeting and parking side of it, okay? But, uh, but what, just what a great day of worship we've had here. We're going to go out this morning with another powerful song. Let's stand and worship him this morning. Let's give it to Jesus today.
0: With you we're not done here but you guys can as we've been doing you can leave whenever you'd like but we are so excited that you chose to be here let's remember the are out there not just the blessings okay hope to see you again next week